The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight, where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today, from the pulpit to the pew. Till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So that's 1 Timothy 4, 13 through 16. My name is Gordon Runyon. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Setting the Record Straight. I am doing my best to function in a pastoral role in a small church in Tucumcari, New Mexico. And I want to do a short series of podcasts about the necessity to bring our Christian reconstruction not just to the pulpit itself but to the whole process of preaching and I do understand every generation kind of has to have a conversation about how much emphasis they're going to put on public preaching and preaching in church and I understand those are conversations that need to be had but for right now I still believe in preaching I think it's a a mandate really for us as a church and so I'm not going to argue about it I'm just assuming we're supposed to be preaching but with that assumption then I want to preach like a Christian reconstructionist and I mean not just that I preach theonomy or postmillennialism but that I preach in such a way that even when I'm speaking about things that have nothing to do with classic reconstructionist doctrines that if there was somebody sitting in the audience that was listening to what I was saying, they would need to, or they would be able to discern that, hey, this guy sounds like a Reconstructionist. And I've, I've been thinking about this. It's been rattling around in my head for several years now. How should Christian Reconstruction change or reconstruct the process of preaching the word. And so my intention is, 
I don't know how long it's going to take, how many of these podcasts that it will take me to do, but my intention is to walk through kind of nuts and bolts and talk about how the sausage gets made and stuff like that and get into the weeds, get as nerdy as possible with uh, sermon preparation. I don't know how many of you out there are pastors or how many of you out there are kind of noodling around with the idea that maybe you've been called to be a preacher of some kind. But if you're not one of those things, I understand that what I'm saying may not have very much relevance for you. But hopefully you can find something interesting in it, especially if you are tasked with preaching. Now, like I said, I don't think being a Reconstructionist preacher means that you focus on the five doctrines of Reconstruction or four, however you organize that. That's not what I'm saying. But as we get into this, what I'm going to try to do is share with you some questions that I think it's good for the preacher to ask of the text that he's studying and also to ask of the sermon itself. Questions that will tend to sharpen the edge, to put a point on things and refine the sermon. My intention as we go through is that we'll get into things like how to write an introduction and how to figure out what the main point of your sermon is going to be, how to go about application and stuff like that. Today, though, I want to be more general and I just want to start us thinking in terms of what would it look like if a Reconstructionist created a sermon from the same text that a non-Reconstructed guy preached from. Maybe generally Reformed, Reformed Baptist Evangelical. How would the Reconstructionist preach that text differently? Now, I don't come at this as a guy who believes he's arrived or anything. I don't, I honestly don't believe I'm a great preacher. And if you ask me on a Monday morning, I will, it's likely you'll hear me tell you I'm not even adequate. I do believe I've been called to serve this little congregation, but uh, I'm under the conviction that my preaching leaves a lot to be desired. But like the text that I just read out of 1 Timothy, the goal isn't to arrive at greatness. But as it says in verse 15 in the King James, it says you meditate and you give yourself wholly to these things so that your profiting may appear to all. A more modern translation will say something like so that your progress may be evident. So I'm under the conviction that I'm supposed to get better. And so, and other translations will have things where King James said, meditate on them, give yourself wholly to them. New American Standard says, take pains with them, be completely absorbed in them. And so that's what I'm seeking to do. And as part of that, I just want to present you with three or four, depending on how you want to divide them, they kind of meld together. I want to present you with just three general ideas as we approach the task of reconstructed preaching that I think will help us and that will distinguish our preaching from the norm. 
the first one is I believe that Christian reconstruction preaching should always be about the business of pushing the antithesis. Of course, that's a well-worn reconstructionist phrase. We're supposed to push the antithesis. Part of what that means is that when you push the antithesis, you are not letting people get away with believing that maybe there's some affinity that they have with the kingdom or there's some common ground that maybe they have with Jesus, even though they're not, they haven't repented and trusted in him. But we need to be pushing the antithesis. We need to be showing how the biblical worldview is at, is at odds with everything else. And so I think if we keep this idea in mind that we are, we are coming to the sermon as heralds of the kingdom, we are coming in as agents of the kingdom whose job it is to press the crown rights of King Jesus. And I think there are things we can do in our sermon preparation. There are questions we can ask ourselves that will help us put a fine point on that, sharpen the sword, as it were. Part of the pushing the antithesis also, for to my mind, it means publicly taking down the idols. The story is told of a medieval monk, a missionary named, uh, that we now know as St. Boniface, who traveled to an unreached section of Germany and found a village that was steeped in the worship of Norse gods, including Thor, god of thunder. And in this village, they didn't want to listen very much to what he had to say. Apparently, he was a pretty good preacher, but they didn't, they didn't really care to listen. And he narrowed it down and figured out the problem was this giant tree at the center of the town that was called Thor's Oak, a giant oak tree. And this was the place they all went to bring their gifts and sacrifices and to pray their prayers the story, which may or may not be myth by now, is that Boniface interrupted a child sacrifice at the Oak of Thor. And that when he raised his, uh, what is it called? <laughs> the big staff with the cross on it. When he raised that, he blocked the priest's hammer. Is the priest, the priest of Thor, so he's got a hammer and not a knife, and he's going to crush this kid's skull as a sacrifice. The story goes that as he blocked the hammer with the cross, the hammer shattered, and Boniface eventually took an axe to the Oak of Thor and chopped it down with the help of a miraculous wind. Now all the people in the village were astonished. They were in shock and awe, and they were convinced that the mighty god of thunder would surely answer. He would be angry that his oak had been chopped down and that his honor had been so affronted. And so he was. they were waiting for the storm of the century to come and hit them, and it never did. The story goes that the town was pretty much converted in mass to Christianity and that the oak tree itself was divided up into lumber, that was used to build a Christian church there in that town. I think there's a parable about preaching in there. I think that a reconstructed sermon is going to visibly, publicly, with everybody watching, in front of God and everyone, 
that the reconstructed sermon is going to purposely attack the idols. Now, it can be the idols of the wider culture. It can be just ways of thought. It can be it can be bad ways of thinking that just kind of hang in the atmosphere and that the preacher knows his own congregation is certainly confronted with. They have to figure out how to deal with these things. There's a passage in Scripture I'd like you to consider as well about this. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Read the last part of verse 4 and verse 5. Paul says, we demolish arguments and every high-minded thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Now, I think that that verse has been often preached in Christian churches as if that's a, a formula or a directive of some kind for personal sanctification. And I would agree that it is part of your own spiritual warfare is you have to be on constant guard about what thoughts you're thinking and holding those thoughts up to the standard of the scripture. But I think we've ignored the fact that 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 verse was written to a church. That verse was written to a Christian community. They were supposed to be involved in this, taking down every lofty thought, every vain imagination lifted up against the knowledge of God. And I think the preacher needs to lead out in that with the sermon uh, vocally, naming it, name what the bad idea is and show how it is not right. Show how the scripture chops down that particular oak. You can't be like Gideon and take down the altar of Baal in the nighttime. You have to do it on Sunday morning when the sun is shining and everybody's bright and alert, at least as you begin preaching. And you have to, you have to take it down in front of them. One of the things that the book of Acts says about the ministry of Apollos, you know, we think of Apollos as maybe the debater, the prototypical Christian debater, and he publicly confounded the Jews, showing, demonstrating from the Old Testament that Jesus is the Christ. Well, another thing it says there is that he greatly helped the believers in these disputations. Just just being there to watch him take down the bad arguments was a great help to the Christian congregation. And I believe a reconstructed sermon should be about that business. There are always bad ideas floating around. And if you are too scared to confront these things and name them for what they are, you have no business in a pulpit. You have, certainly have no business in a Christian reconstruction setting or trying to reform a church to head in that direction, you've got no business. You have to be willing to name the idol and go after it, even if it's an, and especially if, if it's an idol that has taken some kind of prominence in, in your own congregation. So as we go on, we're gonna, I'm gonna suggest to you some questions, like I say, that you can ask I'm not talking about radical changes to how you do your sermon preparation, but I want to suggest to you some changes, some little things that you can add that will, like I say, uh, maybe put a finer point on what you're doing. The next point that I want to mention is that I think a reconstructed sermon will definitely have a much larger application than the run-of-the-mill evangelical and or reformed sermon. 
most of the sermons that you listen to, most of those that you find on places like sermonaudio.com, the applications are going to be almost exclusively personal, where the preacher will show what sort of doctrine is being taught in a passage of the, of the Bible. He'll explain that doctrine. And his application will basically just be, now you have to, you're, you need to believe this. You've believed something different, now believe this. And certainly that is true. You need to believe what the Bible says. You're not going to make any progress until you do. And if you believe something contrary, then you do need to repent. But most of the application that you will hear in 99 point something percent of the sermons that you listen to, most of the application is going to be very uh, pietistic, very individualistic. You decide what this means for you and, and uh, whatever that means for you and your relationship with Jesus, that's just fine and that's good. And I'm convinced that we need to be, as Reconstructionists, we need to be representatives of a kingdom gospel. We believe that all of the word is applicable to all of life. And our sermons need to reflect that. And I believe we'll come up with some fairly easy questions we can ask ourselves in our, in our preparation that will help us to think more widely, not just... What does this message mean to me and my little heart before God? And, you know, if they're getting really ambitious, some of these sermons will talk about maybe how this should affect your family. How maybe how it should affect your personal finances. One in a million. But there's a lot more besides that. There's your business. There's education. There's recreation. There's creative Ventures done in the in the pursuit of the glory of God. There's entrepreneurship. There's what it means to be an employee. There's wow. There's uh, voluntary organizations and government, civil government at all levels, local, state, federal, and and Christians need to understand. I don't think they do, which is why you never hear it. But a Reconstructionist is supposed to understand that all the word applies to all of life. And so a reconstructed sermon will almost certainly have a worldwide application, a much wider application than what you normally hear. The last one, which may be just an extension of that one, the last point I want to bring up is that a Christian reconstructionist sermon should not focus on the so-called milk doctrines Christian Reconstructionist sermons should not focus on the milk doctrines. We are not here as pastors, preachers, elders. We are not here to pre-chew the food for a bunch of baby birds. You know, if you've got a church that meets on Sunday morning and maybe meets one other time for Bible study or something, those times of teaching and preaching are not going to be enough to reform anybody or to mold or shape anybody. It's discipleship can't, uh, the main part of discipling people can't be the sermon. I mean, maybe it used to be when you could get away with preaching for three hours and you had multiple services during the week. Maybe you could really do that, but that's not where we live now. And we live in an age in which people are consuming media 
all day long, all week long, and as a preacher, you've got half an hour on Sunday. You are not going to disciple anybody in half an hour on Sunday, and especially not if you are concentrating on doctrines that new Christians can pick up and understand on their first or second read through the Bible. You should not be focusing on those things. It doesn't mean we despise those things. Hebrews 6 verses 1 and 2 say that those doctrines are foundational to what we're doing. But you know what? Once the foundation is laid, you actually then begin to build a house on top of it. And most of the sermons that are preached today are not building on that foundation. It's just like when you were doing math in school and every new lesson, every new concept that they tried to teach you. Then when it came time to do your homework and, and work on that, work on implementing that new formula or whatever, that new idea, the first part of the homework is always review. What did you learn before? And some of it's pretty simple. You start out really easy. There's a reason for that. Just making sure that you have not moved away. You've moved on from the foundational doctrines, but you haven't moved away from them. The foundational doctrines are like a white robe and you're not supposed to hang it in your closet and leave it there, but you are supposed to actually put it on at some point and then go about your business, whatever your business happens to be. So I'm convinced that Christian Reconstruction sermons, though not leaving the basic doctrines in the dust, if we touch on them, we will touch on them fairly lightly as a way of summarizing and as a way of calling people forward. Here's the thing. 1 Corinthians 12.15 says that the spiritual man judges all things. Similar verses like that, similar text, Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul prays for the church that their love would grow in all knowledge and discernment so that they would be able to spot the things that are truly good and evil in the world around them. Hebrews 5.14 says the same thing, that the mature man is the one who, by reason of use, has trained his senses to discern both good and evil. We are supposed to call people to that, and how do we do it? We're not preaching milk doctrines, but we are showing how the doctrines of the Scripture apply in the real world. If we are not applying even the basic doctrines to the real world, then they remain mainly milk. What, what brings maturity, what lifts those foundational doctrines to the point where they actually begin to uh, resemble an actual house being built is the fact that we are applying them outside the walls of the church and we're applying them to everything, all of the word to all of life. I believe it's a valid criticism of most every sermon that you've ever heard that if you sat under that preaching continuously, it would trap you in a perpetual childhood because the food is being chewed for you and milk is being poured into your waiting mouth. But obviously spirituality, Christian maturity, involves being able to make some judgments about the world around us based on what we know to be right and wrong in the Word. And so I think a Christian Reconstructionist sermon done right will actually... Uh, 
not only not stunt people in their childhood and their immaturity, but a really reconstructed sermon will, by example, show them what it looks like to analyze things that are being done in the world and things that are going on around them. And they will show, uh, the sermons will show what it looks like to discern good and evil. And of course, that's very much related to the first point about pushing the antithesis. I think that a reconstructed sermon will push the antithesis. It will have a much wider application than the sermon that you normally hear. And it will involve calling our listeners to maturity because we're not just pouring milk into their waiting mouths. Now, like I say, as we gather together and we do this more and more, Next time, if you want to prepare for this, uh, my next podcast should show up in about a month from now. And what my plan is, I've never done anything like this, but my plan is to actually walk through the process of constructing a sermon. And I'm going to introduce you to the questions that I think might be helpful in making it a reconstructed sermon. And just kind of out of the blue, just because it's a short text and it's not terribly hard to understand. I want to go with the 133rd Psalm. It's just a few verses. You know this one, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. And so we will we'll take Psalm 133 as our sermon text and future issues of this particular podcast will actually build a reconstructed sermon based on that. Anyway, I hope this has been enjoyable to you. I hope you get something out of it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.